everyone, and welcome to this week's edition of Hanratty's Huddle. I'm Rob Adams with Terry Hanratty, and Terry, we crowned the national champion this week. How are you? Good to see you. I'm very good, Rob. It's the start of a, a new show and our, a new national champion, and I can again say, as I said last time when I picked who was going to win over the weekend, I was 100% <laughs> wrong. <laughs> and, but that's, you know, that's pretty much the story. Thank God I don't golf, or I, I don't bet. Yeah, yeah. Because if I did, I wouldn't have a house. Yeah, well. Because it's, uh, you know, I just have, I guess I have too much. Everybody says, well, you think about it too much. You have too much theory involved in it. And I saw how Penix, the, the thing that really scared me about Washington was that they had too many big come-from-behind games. Yes. And it, you're, then it, you really put your opponent in there. How good is, how good is Michigan? They're very good. Yes, they are. And to come from behind with them is a little more difficult than the other teams in the in the uh, West Coast. Yeah, you know, good game up to a point, and then fourth quarter, you know, Michigan ran away. Well, that first quarter looked like a runaway. Yes, fourteen three. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and, and it was worse than that. I mean, Washington couldn't do anything. I agree. Penix missed so many because I saw he, he was one of the best deep ball throwers I've seen in a long time. 27 of 51, 255, a touchdown and two picks. He didn't have a great night, but he was under pressure all night. And his you know, his offensive line won the Joe Moore Award. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty big. That's a pretty big deal, yeah. And, you know, Michigan won it two years in a row. They lost it out to Washington this year which probably should have been the flip of it. But, you know, it's a suspect. you got five guys playing, and you just wonder how good are they as a unit, and it's, it's very difficult to tell. And, and J.J. McCarthy on the other side just was efficient. 10 of 18, 140 yards, didn't turn the ball over, didn't make too many mistakes, just had a good, decent night running the Michigan offense. And I was surprised a little bit. He, he had the big run, one big run of 23 yeah. yards. Yep. And people don't realize how fast this kid is. He's one of the fastest guys on the team. Oh yeah, and I thought they would incorporate more him more in the running game because this is the last game of the year. Yeah, only four oh, carries for him. Yeah, it's all you know. Everything's open, so you know just let him run the ball. But they didn't need it. So. No, Corum ran for 134 yards and two touchdowns, and Edwards 104 and two scores. That's pretty good right there. I'd be surprised to see where Corum goes in, in the draft. I agree because there's such a what. It put no value in running backs anymore. Back when I, in my day, boom, that was the top thing. Oh, sure. R- wide receivers were sort of, eh, okay. But now it's reversed. Wide receivers are number one. Running backs are sort of like a second thought. Yeah. So I'd be I'm interested to see how Quorum goes in the pros. And on a very local level where you and I record this show, uh, Cornelius Johnson, the receiver for Michigan, Three catches, 25 yards. He is a Greenwich, Connecticut kid. Attended the Brunswick School where he was a Gatorade Player of the Year. And I basically covered him doing play-by-play from when he was in the GYFL right up through his senior year. So I'm happy for him. He comes from a very good family. So well, uh, he's a good kid. And Brunswick is a great school. Oh, great yeah, school. Great really program. Both Greenwich and Brunswick, you know, really phenomenal programs. Yeah, they have both had years where they each won a championship, and that's pretty good when you can call yourself a title town like that. Yes, very so, much. Very good. Um, so, Michigan, what do you make of it ultimately? Is this going to be tainted forever, or is it just going to be talked about? What? How do you assess it? I think it's Michigan's fault. Yeah. Because nobody really cares. But they keep bringing up us against the world, us against the world. That is true. Just don't say anything. Yeah. You know, I don't care. And I've I'd forgotten that, you know, Harbaugh was suspended 
the first three and last three games. You know, who cares? It was a game. They won the game legitimately. Yes. And, you know, who cares? Just let it die. And you're the national champions. Yeah, you're you're, easy. you're always going to have critics, especially when you're Jim Harbaugh. Jim Harbaugh has been dealing with critics, you know, since he was a college player. He's been that kind of magnetic personality. I remember it all the way from college through the NFL as a player before he became a coach. So you're always going to have that. You're always going to have people chirping. Ohio State fans are going to be angry. Michigan fans are angry. Or Notre Dame fans, rather, are angry. I get it, but... At the end of the day, you're the champion. Let it go. And then I can I can remember and go back to oh many years ago, probably about twelve years ago, when when my son was coming out of New Canaan High yeah. School, and he was offered by Cal Berkeley and and Jim at Stanford. So we had sort of a family family trip. We went out to California. And we you know did the L.A. type thing, and we with my daughter and wife and Connor and I. Yeah. We drove up the West Coast up to Cal Berkeley, and we saw all that. It was funny because I went. I went there, and, and you saw the, you know, Haight-Ashbury you know, from yeah, the 60s, yeah. you know, the, the intersection. Oh, sure. There. And I'm going, wow. And you look on the corner, and the same people were still there, I think. <laughs> they were just older than hell like me. Yeah. But we all were, you know, lived through the 60s, so it was really wild in that sense. You know, then we went, and, and Cal Berkeley is a gorgeous school. But it's sort of, it's like, it's like an Ivy League compared to, you know, Stanford as a country club. Yes, Stanford is beautiful. Yes, but it's it is very new looking. Where where uh, Cal Berkeley has the you know Harvard maybe looking buildings, and we're on that's when Oliver Luck was there, and so I'm sitting there with Jim and great uh, player talking with him, and, uh, and he says, "Come on, come to the huddle. Let me show you something." So I go out there, and Jim says he, he goes and he calls three plays. He says, "Terry, watch this. I call three different pass plays for Oliver." And uh, so, or his son Andrew. And Andrew, I'm, I keep thinking of pops. <laughs> Andrew, and uh, all of a sudden he can bum bum bum. Yeah, completes three. He said, "Well, he can make every throw." I said, "Jim, I know that. <laughs> Watch the kid play." But the real key is, are you going to be here if Connor was to come to school here? And he said, oh, "Put up his hands and look around me." I said, "This is heaven. Why would I want to oh, go boy. anywhere else?" Yeah. Have that work. Okay. Next year he's at 49ers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's probably going to be back in the NFL next so year. That, but that, well, we'll that's, I think that's the biggest key right now for Michigan. I think they're looking for his replacement, I would guess. Yes. And uh, I really think Jim has probably said, you know, no mas. You know, let's go back to the NFL where I make, you know, these guys make so much money more. It's not even about the money. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, how much money they make. You know, just give me a check, you know. I think he's coming back to the NFL. I do, too. I, I definitely do, too. Um, speaking of coaches, be remiss if we'll stay in college for a moment and then we'll get to the NFL. Coach Saban decides to call it a day at Alabama. What do you think? You know, last, I can remember saying to a couple of people, I, I said, boy, Nick really looks tired last yeah, year. Yeah, yeah, And he didn't look really enthusiastic enough like he used to. And then he came back this year, I think, to try to rectify what was going on. Then, you know, remember, at the beginning of the year, Alabama did not look good. No, they didn't. They've lost, and they didn't look good winning. And everybody thought, uh-oh, it's over for Alabama. And I think mm-hmm. this may be 
Saban's best coaching year ever. He did a great job of rallying that team and rallying the quarterback. Yeah, because the quarterback they were you know they had the former kid, the kid from Notre Dame. Yeah, and they had another kid on, on scholarship and this last kid. And you can't ask for much more than to get to the semifinal and be in a position to win. Now they didn't win, but they were there. They were they were there, and they could have easily won. Yes, they could have. It was a big, and maybe even well, should have. Probably a better game than the the championship. Game. I think those that's things fair. usually are anyway. But yeah, but then you start thinking. He had his greatest coaching year, and if, I thought for sure then he'd stay on. Yeah, he'd do it a couple more years. I, I thought if he was going to, you know, hang it up, maybe last year, but this year I thought he would hang it up. Again, I'm wrong. As go and bet, <laughs> bet on that one, but uh, you know, you can't take it away from him. He's been an absolutely phenomenal coach. He's produced some great, great athletes. Now everybody's going to say, well, he's got all the five stars and all that. He does, but he recruited them. Yeah, he had the same. Op- you had the same opportunity that Saban had to recruit these kids, but he got away with it. Yeah, and he did it. Yeah, so you got to give him all the kudos. Yeah, a legendary career, no question. All the national championships and and just everything he's done. It can't take it away from him by any stretch. And on the same note, we turn to today's news. And you know, Pete Carroll certainly stepping away. We can mention him. But let's face it, today's about Bill Belichick, who made it official, and I think we all knew it was coming, and it happened as we're as you and I are speaking. Yeah, to touch a, a bit on uh, Carroll, he's going to stay within the organization. Right. So I think it's sort of a li- little easier there. But Belichick, you know, it's been rumored for the last eight weeks sure. at least. Sure, And the way New England has played the last couple years without Tom Brady, you know, it's been sort of up, up in the air. Is this... So I think, you know, again, he got a great coach, great record. You know, just w- walk off into the sunset. Neither of these guys need another job. No. And I would be surprised. That, you know, there's rumors right away that Belichick's going to go here, here, here. And I'm saying to myself, why? What more do you have to prove in this league? In the press conference, well, what little press conferences was, because they didn't take questions, but uh, Bob Kraft made it pretty obvious that Belichick's going to go somewhere. Well, I'm sure of that. Yeah. Because there's, what, eight teams I keep hearing now? the Falcons. Eight teams that need a coach? Yeah. Yep. And, oh, there's got 18 egos out, or eight egos out there, these <laughs> owners. True, true. That uh, will pay anything to get the name. That's true. And whether Bill still has it, whether does he have the fire? I'm sure he's going to look at roster and look at his quarterback and say, where do I have the best chance to have a little success? And let's face it, he does his best with a defense. So who's got the defense that he can nurture and work with to create a monster? And he's big on special teams. And you're right, the quarterback matters. Now, the Falcons it. are not great in that regard. They'd, they would have to draft somebody in my way of thinking. Well, this is probably the best year for him to come in. Yeah. Because this is, looks like a pretty good year for quarterbacks. Yep. And, and they're going to be abundant. Yeah. And and. Does he insist on being, you know, the uh, the general manager as well? Does he insist on running the show? That's something to think about because his past couple of drafts have not been pretty. And there's not many coaches that have jumped into the athletic director, not athletic director, but general but manager. GM, yeah. Uh, and have been successful at it. Right. Right. And so, I mean, there's two huge jobs that need 100% of your time. So it's very hard to split. Yeah, you need someone you can work with. I think that's what it comes down to. Even if it's uh, even if it's an underling to you. Yeah. You know, you do all the work, but you know, I'm going to make that last decision. 
So it's got to be that kind of relationship, though. Uh, well, with the Steelers, when you know when they were drafted Franco Harris, right? You know Chuck Noll won a Robert Newhouse, right? Right. Remember him and went to Houston, you, yeah, the running back. And our our scouting system said, no, we want Franco Harris, big, fast, strong. You know, and home. Lydell Mitchell was the third option, right? He, but he didn't. Yeah, Lydell was never. He was never considered. Never really a Franco considered type right because Franco had so much size to him. But Franco was kind of a surprise when he was drafted in in because, some ways. Yeah, because Joe Paterno used Lydell as the lead back. Correct. And Franco was sort of the afterthought of the running game at Penn State. Yeah, but obviously very talented. Extremely talented. And but the the Newhouse, uh, Franco Harris thing was was very prevalent. I mean that was you know Chuck wanted Newhouse. That's so interesting because he was a short. Really stocky, tough running back between the tackle kind of guy, mm-hmm. and a good player, but he yeah. just wasn't Franco. And Franco could do the between the tackle and dip to the outside. So, and and the that's when Chuck lost the vote because he was early in his coaching career. What didn't have the Super Bowls under his belt yet? Yeah, yeah. And it was good because then the uh, they were right. Our, our our scouting staff was right to take Franco. And the, those early '70s drafts up through that '74 draft were. All those key pieces come together, you know, Swan and all those guys right around 74. Uh, that was remarkable drafting by the Steelers, who, who have always been pretty good in the draft. And Chuck got really, you know, he was really involved. You know, after and the thing when uh, he's, when they drafted Swan and Stallworth in the same year, and he was very proud of that one. Oh, because for obvious reason. Here, you know, they had, you know, they had different scouting systems back then. Like, uh, like we were involved, the Steelers were involved with the Blesto, which was about six yes. or eight, seven teams put together, and they shared everything. Well, they had John Stallworth at a four nine in his forty, and the Steelers were going. Chuck wanted Stallworth first, and they had him at four five. Big difference. Well, they wanted Swan also. They gambled. And took the All-American Swan from Southern California yep. and took him number one. And Stallworth dropped to the fourth round. That's right. And now the, now Four they got, Hall of Famers in that class, yeah, by the way. But they got both receivers in the same draft and both in the Hall of Fame. Swan in the first round. Remember the second rounder? Oh, I should. Lambert. Yes, you do. Number 58. That is correct. Stallworth in the fourth. And in the, then they took a, a D-back Jimmy Allen. And in the fifth round, took number fifty-two, Mike Webster. Yep. That's a pretty good draft. That's a, I mean, that's a legendary draft. That's amazing. Well, here's one for you. You want to do a little trivia? Who was Lambert's teammate at Kent State? Wasn't that Burt Reynolds or something like that? It was no, something. No, no, no. Someone with someone random. I, I can't. no, not random at all. Someone we've already talked about. Who? Nick Saban. That's right. That's right. They were teammates. That's at Kent right. State, and I can't imagine because that's that was the knock on Lambert. That's right. Because Jack was, Jack was, uh, you know, the, the barroom. He was the brawler, patriot. Yeah, <laughs> and he would go in there and he get little in discussions with people, and sometimes <laughs> escalated from there. <laughs> and uh, funny story because they come out the same year, Randy Gratishire. Yeah. From Ohio State. Very good player. This clean-cut kid from Ohio State, big middle linebacker, and here's Lambert, his barroom fighter from Kent State. And you can see the jealousy already from Kent State <laughs> to Ohio State, right? So we got Lambert, and we're playing Denver, maybe halfway through the season. And I said, we're walking, 
going out to the field. I go up behind Lambert. I said, I just wish we had Gratishar instead of you today. And he's just. Oh, no. Oh, I had him so fired up. <laughs> he was going crazy. <laughs> and we're out there doing stretches, and Gratishar come, and I'm watching him. Gratishar come over and say hello to Jack. And he said, hey, Jack, Randy Gratishar, Ohio <laughs> State. And Lambert says, looks up to him and says, who gives a blank? <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, and the, the best. then the game progressed. Oh no, but him, I can't imagine him and a Saban on the same team. No, seemed like different personalities, yeah. but uh, they did well. So it's a, a you know it's a heck of a day for for coaches um, when in the span of twenty four hours it's Nick Saban, it's Bill Belichick, and there are those who are going to say those are the two best ever, which I we throw that term around far too easily. But they are both all-time greats. But you've got to take the good and bad when assessing these guys, too. Belichick was not perfect, obviously. Well, before he went to when he went to uh, he went Cleveland to Cleveland. Browns. It didn't go well. No, and he was you know Bill uh, Parcells brought yeah. him back as an assistant, right? And Saban went to Miami Dolphins, right? And did nothing there, and came back to, and went to LSU. But Belichick's legacy is. It, it's so great as a defensive coordinator and, you know, in, in these years with the Giants and even when he came back to the Jets to have the Jets on the doorstep of a Super Bowl. That's not easy to do with that that franchise. Right. Um, there's certainly a lot of great. It, it's just figuring out how to assess him properly today without just throwing the bouquets at his feet, you know? And it, it's sort of like his life. Right. Because you sort of have to find your little niche in life. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you falter here, falter there, and then all of a sudden you're successful. And people say, well, he, he failed over here. But he got back up on his feet and did it the right way and keep progressing in life. That's sure, you, sure. You have, no matter what field you're in, you have to do that. Yeah, and, and look, flashy, those who are flashier get, you know, get the attention. Bill Belichick is flashier because of having Brady, because of, you know, the Flategate and all the other nonsense. But we're... Nobody talks about Chuck Knoll, and that always amazes me. People do not talk about Chuck Knoll. He won four Super Bowls, was in four Super Bowls, mm -hmm. never coach of the year. Isn't that amazing? Amazing. And he didn't want it. I mean, when he was first came to Pittsburgh, he had to do a TV show, and it killed him. Oh, I'm sure. He hated to go on and talk about the game that just what happened and the game that's coming up. That wasn't Chuck. Chuck was a teacher. And Chuck wanted to break down film, and Chuck wanted to teach his players how to do the right thing. And you, you got to give him credit for that, because once he became successful, that TV show went out. Yeah. Because now he's his own man. He could care less about Coach of the Year. And even later on with Noel, when there was talk that the game had passed him by, I remember, and I think it was the 89 season, they start off getting blasted by the Browns and the Bengals, back-to-back -back weeks, outscored like 92 to 7 something right. like that they become a playoff team ultimately going into the wild card and they make it I think to Denver and they lose by a point if I recall with the likes of Bubby Brister as your quarterback well that's well, that's when Chuck would make that was after me and Chuck would make the speech to his team we're mm -hmm. going to start Monday we're going to get back to the basics and that's one practice you didn't want to go through yeah quarterback you're fine you can't be hit but you basically scrimmaged and got them back to getting toughness again. And you think about the coaches in the Knoll era, Landry, 
Shula. Uh, this is after Papa Bear Hallis, but still, he's looming large at that point. Paul Brown is still around because he's with the Bengals yeah, at the that Bengals. point. Um, it was a bit, I mean, you know, later on you had big, bigger personalities. Hank Stram is active at that point. You know, there, it was a great era for well, coaches. Great year. Great, great time for coaching. So and, he didn't need the coach of the year. Coaching. Yeah. 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 Who is the best ever? If you if you care, if you had a vote, who would it be for the best coach? All time coach? Well, I would my would lean to Chuck Noll. I don't have a problem. I don't have a problem with you that. You know, he he did something that few did. I mean, Pittsburgh, and I know well because I grew up thirty sure. miles north of there, so I got to hear everything. And but they were a bad franchise for forty years. Chuck's first year, and you got to give the credit to the Rooneys. Yes. They took an assistant coach from Shula's staff, defensive coach, who's in his mid thirties, and they brought him in. Yep. And the first year was my rookie year. We were one and thirteen. Yeah. Now today's standard, half the teams in this league would have fired him. I know. Then the second year we were five and nine. And probably the rest of the league would have fired him. Six wins after two years. Bah, then all, but it all clicked in then. Yeah. And with the drafting started and started to get depth and started to weed out the people he didn't want. And they brought in the people he wanted. Chuck rarely traded. Chuck True. didn't want anybody else's True. problems. He wanted to get the kid out of college, bring him in, teach him the Steeler Chuck no way. And that's where the success really happened because you were, you were like a college team. You're all together on the same team. And scandals were... Minimal during his None. the criminal element thing, yes, with the Raiders, but that was Ernie Holmes had a, had a few little Ernie Holmes, little, yeah, a few little th- happenings there, but we no, <laughs> no need to rehash that. <laughs> but for the most part, it, it's a pretty clean slate. Oh, it, it was wonderful, we, and we had and we were really a tight bunch. Yeah, I mean, we were really a, a very close, close teams there. Yeah, no, it it's. Uh, Remarkable, but again, I, I think very underrated, Chuck Noll. We we just don't talk enough about him. Um, uh, playoffs coming up this weekend in the NFL. Steelers made it in. Going to be a tough trip. By the hair on a chinny chin chin. Oh, that's for sure. <laughs> going to be a tough trip to, to Buffalo, especially without T.J. Watt. That's going to be tough. How about Miami to Kansas City? Yeah, that's fun. Coming out of 70-degree weather. To get down to five below weather. Yeah, it's going to be very cold. I mean, a lot, of, a lot of guys on all teams played in the north. So they've played in zero degree weather. Yep. But when you move to Miami and you start getting used to the 70, you know, it sort of fades away. But, so that's going to be interesting. The Steelers going to Buffalo. I mean, that's going to be, you know, we are really geared for cold, snowy days because we're, you know, we've really come around running the ball well. And I think Mason Rudolph, I mean, I don't know what award we can give him so far this year, but, you know, three, for three games in a row, he's been wonderful. Been wonderful. And I think, I really think he'll continue. Of course, you know, again, it's been the, the offensive line that's picked up their play. If you notice the last games he's won, he's had pretty damn good protection. Oh, he has. He has. And, and whether they're, you know, they're, they're saying a lot because of the coaching staff change in the offensive coordinator. That's probably part of it. But, you know, Mason and Mason hangs on to the ball a lot longer than anybody. Yes. When you talk about quarterbacks who get rid of the ball quick, Mason doesn't. No, he doesn't he's, have the he, happy feet. He's more like uh, Roethlisberger. Yes. Who held on to the ball till, dear li- till, till the end. 
then got rid of it, and he took a shot. You yeah. Know, that's, you know, that's when you got beat up And way. Najee's running the ball great, and He's that's what run, an offensive line will do for line, you. Opening some holes, and the kids are running hard. And, uh, you know, they I think they have a legitimate chance. And Buffalo has not been playing well the last few weeks. I think talent-wise, they're the better team. They've won five in a row, I think it is, five or six in a row at this point. But, to your point, it, it's been... You know, those there have been some real gut check victories when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, they, they weren't that clean cut, boom, 34-10, get out. No, no. But I think, like I said, talent-wise, I think they're the better team. I, did, I agree. But I think Pittsburgh's got a really legitimate shot. I hope so. I hope so. That that Dolphins-Chiefs game, that's the one that's over on uh, the, the streaming service, Peacock. It's an exclusive game. If you don't have Peacock, you're not watching it in this I'm area. I'm used to Peacock. Okay. Because we had a few games from Notre Dame the last couple that's of years. True, on that's true. That's true. You would know. And I had to find a damn place. <laughs> and I'm all over yeah, the place I don't, going, I don't have it. Peacock or I thing. don't pay for it. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I have it, and so I'll be able to watch anything that's on Peacock. My concern is is Sunday at 1 with the Steelers. That's that's my concern right now is watching that game. Yeah. That's, at least it's going to be in the daytime. Yes. I mean, Miami-Kansas City is a night game. Yeah, and the Steelers almost wound up going to Kansas City. Yes, yes. So I'm perfectly content. Don't have to deal with the Taylor Swift factor and all that stuff. No, no, no. I'm sure she'll be there. <laughs> I'm sure she will. In a suite, bundled up. <laughs> yes, with uh, with Kelsey's mother. Exactly well, right. She'll be bundled up also. What else? Because we've pretty much hit our time. What else do you want to hit before we say goodbye? Well, we can't give them too much now. We've got to save some for next week. Too. I agree. I agree. We're flying today, though. Yeah, that's good. A lot of good stuff. All right. Terry, we'll we'll talk to you next week. Okay, thank you. That'll do it for this edition of Hanratty's Huddle. We will talk to you next time. Find us on social media and drop us a line. Let us know what you like, what you want to hear. We look forward to it. For Terry Hanratty, I'm Rob Adams. You've been listening to Hanratty's Huddle. We'll see you next time.